Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Mirakatani. Welcome back to Match Chat. Today it is my real pleasure to be joined by the head coach from Oklahoma University, Lou Rosselli. Lou, I've been trying to get this done for a while. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate your time, too. How's everything down in Norman, man? Uh, it's going good. You know, we just started practice and uh, we're recruiting, but things are going well. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun time of the year when guys can officially train and everything else. So um, I got a lot of things I want to dig into you with. Um, first thing, I just kind of want to give people maybe a background that don't know this. I was obviously just doing some research, you know, a couple time All-American at Edinburgh, um, also was on the 20, or 1996 Olympic team, 1997 World Cup champion, 1998 Pan Am runner up. And then you jump to the next level where your, your coaching stuff is really incredible. And before I get into that, one of the things that kind of dawned on me, um, one of my friends, Randy Couture, told me that if he hadn't won nationals, he probably wouldn't have wrestled internationally and tried to make the Olympic team. And if he hadn't wrestled in, you know, had been the alternate, he's not sure he ever would have fought. And to me, that's crazy because, you know, that's, you know, that's his legacy in a lot of ways. So do you think having a very successful career but not necessarily winning that title kind of pushed you forward into coaching more? Yeah, I definitely think it did. I think, you know, athletically, you know, not winning the NCAA title um, ignited me a little bit to, to push further and, and to go to the next level and commit myself even more. And so I think that, you know, that really helped, you know, um, the next level of wrestling for me. And, you know, and I knew it would be harder, but obviously the level of commitment is, is certainly uh, stronger and, you know, the discipline for that. And so I think that that really, really helped me along the way just to, you know, work out twice a day and commit long hours to it. And, you know, I, I you know, I had a strong belief that, you know, I could certainly win the nationals and, and uh, be an Olympian and try to win the Olympics. So it just got, you know, the goals got bigger and better. Yeah, the mindset jump there, I think, is interesting because most of us who are on the outside are like, well, you know, if you didn't win A, it's going to be hard to win B, and winning C would be almost impossible. So who are maybe like some mentors or some people that were instrumental in your life you know, during that period of, of time that really helped you see things? Maybe you already had that vision, but just encouraged your vision or maybe helped you see things in the right way. Well, during that time, you know, I was at Edinburgh University with Tim Flynn and Bruce Baumgartner, and obviously Bruce was on, you know, four Olympic teams and was on <laughs> several, several world championship teams. And, and, you know, so, you know, when you're around him and you see that it's possible, you know, and the mentorship for that, obviously Tim Flynn, you know, he was a young coach at the time. We are working out all the time together. And, you know, I, I think he just did everything that he could to try to, you know, uh, help me live my dream, you know, and. I know he was older at the time and didn't really want to wrestle every day and learn parterre and do that. And, but, um, but he did, but I've had a few mentors along the way, you know, I mean, my high school coach was a, was a strong mentor, you know, believed in work ethic, you know, obviously Tim Flynn, same, you know, and, and then Tom Ryan, when I went to Ohio state, you know, um, certainly had some mentor mentoring from him and, you know, Bruce Baumgartner as well. So I've had a bunch of people along the way that's certainly gave me, you know, a good, good guidance to, um, you know, about things you need to know about wrestling and certainly about coaching. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously most of the people listening to this podcast understand that even though wrestling at the end of the day is an individual sport that no one really accomplishes anything on their own, I think it's it's a good point f for us as a sport to be, you know, pointing out to 
the outside that it really is a team sport and 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 the lessons that can be learned there so as as i continue to go through this the three-time uh national freestyle coach of the year um you know kyle snyder's personal coach uh at the olympics in 2016 three-time world team coach uh in 2006 and 2011 uh u.s took third and in 2011 or in, in 2007 you guys took fourth so one of the things that um Andy Hamilton's been talking to some people as well. One of the things that is super interesting to me, because I got to do um, very limited international traveling as a wrestler, um, maybe share with me and, and the people listening maybe one of the more interesting or crazy stories from traveling overseas that people might get a kick out of. Well, I think that's a pretty tough question, but, I, I, you know, I, I'd say just athletically, you know, back in a long time ago now, um, I think one of the things that was interesting is I wrestled in the Yazer Dogu in Turkey and, um, you know, made the finals. And I remember me and the Turk were in the finals together and we both hit heads and we both shot at the same time. And he happened to fall back. My head must be a little bit harder than his, you know, <laughs> his, his, he fell back and I tried to jump on and get the fall. And, and, you know, people started throwing, you know, uh, cans and paper cups down on the mat and you start getting, it gets a little hostile. So I think that's, you know, um, I guess that, that's pretty interesting as a, you know, uh, as an athlete or a coach, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when when a situation like that happens, like I had somebody tell me like they went to Cuba and like they use bamboo poles as uh, like as the weight bars, you know, like the 45 pound bar for benching and things like that. Yeah. I mean, does traveling give you a different perspective on, on, on the level of gratitude you should have to be able to be an American and some of the privileges we have here? Oh, of course. I think every time you travel abroad and you, you go to different countries, and I don't know how many I actually have been to, I'd say 20 or 30 different countries, that, you know, you come back and you're you're just grateful. You know, you just have a lot, and, and sometimes we don't recognize that in this country. It's just, you know, having the opportunity to even be on those platforms is, is, a, is a great experience, you know. And I think sometimes we take it for granted from, from the types of foods we eat to, you know, how, the workout facilities that we use to – you know, the, the, the fitness clubs and you name it. There's just so many things that are different, you know, and, and you know, the drinking water, you know, we got to yeah. have water over there. So I just think that, you know, being grateful for those opportunities and understanding what this country stands for is, is a big deal. Yeah, it's, it's significant. You know, one of the things that you, know, you and I have a mutual friend in Eric Guerrero, and one of the things I've asked him privately, and I, I'd just like to ask you, what is it like to literally be the U.S. representative at a world championship, and in your case as well as an Olympian, I mean, just I would think it's just overwhelming. You know, what is what is that like? Just that feeling when when you're getting that official USA gear and you're the you're the representative. Well, I think that you know, I think when you get old, you have a different perspective on that. I think when you're in the moment. You know, you're so focused on being an athlete and trying to do your very best and trying to win gold that, you know, you really kind of overlook those those things a little bit. You know, I think as you get older and and you really look back on it and realize how neat it was to be a part of something that great, whether it's an athletic, you know, and making a team or being one of the coaches, you know. But I think when you're the, the athlete, you just you always want more and you want more and you want more. And so, you, you know, you just you kind of take that for granted. You know, especially if you're healthy, you know, if you've never been hurt before, you'll, you'll realize it's like, no, you took that for granted a little bit. You know, the opportunity was was there and you got to really appreciate those moments because you don't get 20 of those. You sometimes only get one. So 
you know, but certainly grateful for all the opportunities I've had over time. Well, I, I think your point of differentiating those between, you know, at the time versus as you get older. And when I look this up, you and I are actually about literally two weeks apart in age. So, um, you know, it, it, it obviously with with age comes wisdom, ideally. So I think what is interesting is how do you think you're able to use that to help some of your athletes? Like when they're in the, well, I'll have a million other chances or it's not that big of a deal kind of perspective. How do you think, you know, your experiences, your level of success and, and you know, frankly, you know, your age and wisdom, how do you think that is, is helpful to kids? Well, I certainly think it's helpful in the, in the ways that, you know, because you know these things and your experiences know that, you know, you may, you may only get one chance to run up on stage on Saturday night. You may only get one <laughs> yeah. crack at this. We got we to gotta take advantage of the opportunity we have because things happen. And we all have friends that, you know, in one moment they were they were on fire and then, they, you know, they hurt their neck or they hurt their back. And, and so I think just being around and being through a lot of situations gives you those uh, experience to, to give to other young athletes, you know. And I think that, you know, when you do that, you know, it gives them a good perspective because sometimes, you know, it it's just depends on what lens you're looking through. You know, when you're an athlete, you're looking through an athlete's lens. When you're a coach, you know, you're looking things differently. There's there's a lot of perspectives out there, and you just got to use not just yours, but all the ones that, you know, all these experiences that you have that you can give to someone. I think it's a great point. My mom actually teaches from the book The Seven Habits of Effective People, and she talks about how communication can improve, and she says one of the primary ways is that people look at the world through their own lens and they think they make two assumptions a that their lens is the correct one and b that it's normal so that you know if you look at it from a different perspective there must be something wrong with that other person you know that they're they're not as intelligent or they haven't led the same life and you know I certainly think somebody like you that's been to 30 countries in the world versus somebody that's you know never you know maybe just doesn't have a lot of of wealth and just has never afforded to travel you're going to look at the world entirely differently that person may not be wrong. They just haven't had that same scope that you've had in your life. No, for sure. I think that, like I said, you know, that every, everybody has a different lens that they look through things. And, you know, I can see things sometimes through my lens, and this is the way I, I see it. And some people can, you know, their view might be totally different. It doesn't mean, you know, you can still have, you can have the same or two different views, and they can both be accurate. You know, in his eyes, this is, this is the way he looks at things. And in my eyes, I might not see it that way, but I, I can understand why he thinks that and why he sees it that way. You know, and sometimes it comes from your upbringing and, you know, and the way you've been raised and, you know, the way you see things might it might be different. You know, so, you know, sometimes as educators, my job is to teach people how to how to think and how to do things and that, you know, and make sure that, you know, we look at things a little bit differently, you know, and I can see through their lens. They can sometimes they need to see through my lens. Yeah, I think that's really where, like, idea sharing and I think that's – and we'll get into this. Your coaching staff is not all from one program and things like that. I think where that's where you can maybe make some breakthroughs and be able to say, look, you know, mostly, you know, programs have a philosophy or a set of philosophies about wrestling. And when you get programs that have multiple perspectives, it seems like – a lot of times, you know, you're able to, you know, maybe make some breakthroughs a little bit quicker. Like, hey, you know, you're coaching David Maricatani and like, hey, I'm not sure this is the best approach with him. Maybe this other approach might be better. And hey, maybe Dean Heil or Nick Heflin or whoever the case may be, Michael Leitner, maybe you guys should be talking to him or and then tomorrow I'll talk to him. Um, so I think that's really interesting. So. 
Um, and and kind of tied to that, the technique stuff, um, I had a chance to grab dinner with you this summer, and you made a comment, and, and you were just kind of talking about wrestling in general, but it was something that really stuck out to me because when I was recruiting uh, in junior college, I looked at this, I think, the same way, but I want to make sure I understand what you were saying. You said there's so many guys these days that are good at the XYZs, and they still haven't mastered the ABCs. So, first of all, do, do I have that quote correct? And if I do, what did you mean by that? Yeah, I think you do. I, you know, what I mean, and this, this is not the, uh, this has come up before, and, you know, and I just think that the young people, they usually learn, you know, they go to camps and they learn a thousand moves and they learn, you know, um, all these fancy things. And sometimes they don't even know how to hold stance. They don't know good positioning. They don't know the mechanics of the single leg. So sometimes it's like you don't even know the mechanics. You just, you just, somebody, you eyeballed it up, you looked at it and said, okay, I got to do it just like him. And sometimes, it, you know, making contact and, and staying in a good stance and circling the right way is, is you know, it might be uh, more important at this point, you know, and knowing the mechanics to certain moves so you understand why they work the way they work, you know. So, you know, you learn a lot. You go to camps and clinics and you learn these things and you learn, everybody wants to show you. How many moves they know, and sometimes it's just you got you got to fix your stance, stud. You yeah. got bad head position. You don't make contact correctly. So you know, I, I just kind of look at it like you know, and it, you know, and, and a lot of times, and they're really successful. You know, they're, they're, these are the kids that have won everything too, and you're like, well, wow, we, we can probably make them a lot better if we just work on a few things here and there and make some adjusting adjustments for them, and you know, teach them why he does what he's doing, and you know, um, so I, I do think that you're accurate in that. I just. You know, that's kind of what I mean. I really mean, that, you know, the real, the real basic and basic positioning things that sometimes get overlooked. I, I thought that's what you meant that night. And, you know, we kind of touched on it briefly and then went on to something else. And I certainly am not saying this about these young guys in particular, but I just got a chance to watch them wrestle a bunch. And they're fairly young in your program. But kids like Mantanona and Demas, you know, Demas especially had an unbelievable summer, wrestled at seemed like he made the finals of every, you know, possible world team he could in age groups. You know, without obviously giving away their strengths or weaknesses, those are the, some of the kind of kids I was sort of picturing in my mind were like, this guy does some things absolutely amazing, but there might be some, you know, more elementary holes. Let's say, for example, that guys like that or certain guys in your program have that. How difficult is it when they've been really successful and they're really good at some of the XYZs to say to them, like, hey, David, I know this sounds crazy, but your stance is actually wrong. Or, David, you keep extending your arms when you're trying to find a guy and it opens you up this way. We actually need to go backwards and try to correct these things. What's been some of the challenges with that? Well, I'll tell you, you know, out of the gates, I don't, I don't like anybody to lose their flavor, you know. <laughs> the things that they're good at. I like that phrase. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, just, they just, they just, I don't want to, I don't want to take their flavor from them. I just want to make sure that, you know, there are certain things that, that I believe that win wrestling matches and, you know, and, and head position and getting to your feet on a leg attack or, you know, knee sprawling. And there, there's some real generic things that, that I think that can help you win, you know, that, that aren't that complicated. You know, I, I don't want to take someone's, you know, a guy like Don Demas's hips away from him. He, you know, he's got great hips. You know, I, I, I want to use his assets, but also want to fix some of the little things that might might hurt him. You know, maybe not head blocking, you know, or or, you know, not knee sprawling will cost him, you know. And so, I, you know, I, I think that they're easy, easy. And I also think it just it just depends on the athlete. I think the athlete 
you know, I mean, in my personal opinion, you got about 10 to 15 months, they either adopt your philosophy and how you do things and the way you operate, you know, or they, they continue on their path and it's hard for them to learn and grow. It's, yeah, and it's interesting, the very last sentence you said is actually the perfect segue because I wanted to sort of jump over to, you know, now that you're at OU and that transition there. So first of all, you, you know, you're an East Coast guy and, you, you know, you came from Edinburgh and Ohio State uh, over to Norman. Can you tell me, first of all, a little bit just, you know, how much culture shock was there and, and how were you received and how has that all been? I think it's been pretty good. You know, um, obviously I have maybe a little different way of doing things. You know, but, but for the most part, I think, you know, transition is a transition and, and you know, adapting to it and coming from one program, one big program to another big program, very similar. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, how was I well, if I was well received, that's that's a question for the people. You know, um, <laughs> Well, were they nice you to know? you? Maybe that's about yeah, what hey, Well, they were nice. They were nice to me, you know, um, you know, obviously. You know, I mean, in state, you know, we're recruiting out of state. We're recruiting, um, so I think it, it, it's gone well. You know, I think we probably had, you know, in the last two, little over two. You know, we we had some uh, nice commitments. So, you know, I'd say that it's been fairly fairly good. But I don't think when it comes to the work part of it, you know, coming from Ohio State to OU, it's very similar with you know procedures and a lot of policies are the same. So, you know, that part of it I think is is you know. The same for each of the schools. I mean, Edinburgh was a little bit different because it was a smaller school, you know. Um, but there's just a lot more compliance at a at a at a big school with Ohio State and OU. So, but I was well aware of that. You know, ten years at Ohio State, you, you know, uh, you know, you catch on to all the procedures that need to happen. Yeah, and and just so people understand the compliance stuff, Oklahoma University is literally the first school that ever called me in advance to sort of clear this interview. So I I was like, wow, that's you know. I, I think I've done about 80 of these. <laughs> Obviously, most of them are guys like you or I'm friends with, and I have your cell phone. But it was interesting that, you know, you're like, well, hey, we're going to have to call you and, and at least, you know, make sure, like, you're not going to go talk about politics or something like that. So yeah. Um, yeah. you had made a statement a few minutes ago about, you know, the general buy-in, about 10 to 15 months, I think, is what you said. So you're in a position now, I think it's unique, where – you're at a program that has tons of history, tons of, of, of excellence in history, one of the few programs in the country that's ever actually won a national title. And at the same time, when you came there, it, there were spots of success, but up and down the lineup, there was not overall success. So tell me, as a guy that, you know, Edinburgh is always pictured as one of these little engines that could, you know, Tim Flynn was as good as anybody in the country, I think, at overachieving, then going to sort of the giant, the Ohio State, which is, you know, sort of like the Penn States of the world and, you know, like the Iowas of the world where there's just a ton of, you know, assets and, and resources. Um, combining those things, what's it been like to build the program and change the culture there at OU? I think it's been good. You know, I think that, you know, to build the program, to put all the, the um, characteristics that you need in place, the building blocks you need to have, you know, from your Olympic program to getting, you know, the right recruits to, to accountability. You know, I think there's just a lot of things that go that are, you know, that, that you got to have in place before you start having success. And I, I know, you know, a lot of people always think right out of the gate, you're just going to change it like that. It's like, well, you got to get to know the kids. You got to build relationships. You got to, you know, you got to know 
all about them. You know, I, most of the people I've, you know, um, coached in my time, I knew them really well, you know, and they knew me, you know, I knew what they how they could get beat. I knew how they could, you know, their best assets. And so it, it's been good. You know, I think that we're continuing to, to, you know, with our staff, you know, keep growing and keep getting, you know, the, the right type of person in, in the program. Um, people that aspire to be Olympians and people that aspire to, to you know, to be great. I mean, so I, as we continue to grow and build up, build the program, you know, we're looking for, you know, certain qualities, you know, and I think, you know, if you get the certain qualities and you love to work and, and you, and you have really high goals and, you know, and it, it's part of it, obviously is on the coach, but sometimes, you know, the athletes got to, you got to have to buy into everybody's got to be on the same page. You know, all the fish got to be swimming in the right direction. If you, if you really want to have success and, you know, and when we're really where we want to be, the, the other kids on the team will hold them accountable. You know, it won't be me being a hammer. It'll be someone, your teammate will be a hammer. Right. They'll be the hammer on you. You know, that's when you know that you got it, you got it pumping. When the, when the coach doesn't have to say a word, it's handled <laughs> from within. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, in junior college, you take chances on more guys. And it was one of the things we, we talked about to those kids about from day one. Like, look, we have to build a culture here. And... You know, there's more of you than there are of us, and all we can do is discipline you and eventually throw you off the team. But if you guys build the right culture, and all we have to do is help you get better, you know, part of what we did to make you better was recruit all these studs for you to work out with. So it, it's interesting. The other thing you said, which really is near and dear to me, is you talked about building relationships with guys. And that, to me, I've thought a lot of times, you know, we go out of bounds and there's 30 seconds left, and you know, so-and-so's down one, and you know, there's nothing you're going to tell him in that four seconds walking back. I shouldn't say nothing, but more often than not, there's not the perfect move to yell to them. Sometimes it's just making eye contact and having gone through, you know, gone through the work together, whether it's sitting in the sauna with them or doing the extra reps with them or helping them with their mindset. And you've been a personal coach to two of the absolute best in uh, Steber and Snyder. Can you tell me a little bit about building relationships with those guys and what you think maybe you were able to teach them and maybe what those relationships taught you? Well, I think certainly, you know, we both were teaching each other, you know, obviously those two individuals have incredible, incredible pedigree. Plus, you know, that they're workers, you know, but I think that, you know, training them and, and having the opportunity to do that and, and, making them work hard and make adjustments and always the thought, you know, behind my, you know, behind it always is for me is to just, let's get them better. Let's make sure that we get, we get better no matter how good they are. You know, I mean, they were both had incredible pedigree, but you know, they didn't, he didn't come as a four time national champ. Logan didn't come as the, the world champ. I mean, Kyle didn't come there as the Olympic champion, you know, the, the program and, and the things that we stood for made him that way, you know, and he got better. And I think that, when you think that way, it makes it much easier, you know? So I think that, that listen, I learned a lot from them and, and hopefully they learned a lot from me, you know, but I think that it's really together, you know, is how it works. It's never one-sided. No one person gets it done by themselves. They always have people around them that can help them, whether it's training situation, coaches that believe in them, coaches that put time and energy into them, you know, and those things matter, you know, and when you put, when you have, when you have coaches and, and partners and, that put, you know, you have the time and energy into India and a great training environment and you know a great Olympic program does that and so I think that it was good for both of us or all three of us you know to be honest I mean it, yeah, and, Logan, yeah absolutely. And, and many more there was a lot more I mean we had 20 world Olympic team members when I was 
at Ohio State. You know, I mean, there was uh, there wasn't twenty different people, but you know, from Travell to Tommy Rollins to Sean Bunch to Angel Escobedo to Keith Gavin. I mean, we we had a lot of people that did, did our system. You know. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, it wasn't just them. We had lots of people that were striving to be the best, and, and we had a great environment for them. And, and the time and energy that the staff put into them mattered. Yeah, it's it, – so one of the things I think, you know, you're, you're obviously still recruiting. You know, I did that for a lot of years. I think one of the things to me that's interesting is – when you're recruiting, you're obviously trying, you know, on, on the simplest of terms, you're trying to hit and not miss. And I think more often than not, the difference is something mental. And so one of the questions, because, I mean, I've coached some pretty good guys, but I haven't coached 20 Olympic or world team members. And, you know, when you're running down that list of people, it's super impressive. Is there a characteristic or two that was consistent with these guys that you go, okay, like they always approach life this way or they never did this that then you can kind of go look for when, when you're making these recruiting decisions? Well, I think one of the things that all of those guys have is, you know, one, they, they had really high goals. You know, they, they really, it was internal. A lot of this, you know, some of it's intrinsic, you know, I, I was just the, the catalyst that said, Hey, well, this is the workload. And, and, you know, I'm a little bit like the Amish. I made work really hard, and we learned certain <laughs> skill sets. You had to build houses in their spare time, yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we just worked, 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 you know? And I think that, you know, once you get a culture of that, you know, everybody, you know, worked really hard, and, you know, everybody had high goals, and everybody had a dream of being an Olympic champion or a world champion. And I think that the more you thought like that, that the easier it was. And, you know, like I said, when you get a, when you get a room full of people um, together that, you know, you go – you know, when you look into that RTC at the time and, and, you know, you start saying, well, he's a four-time national champion. He's on a world team. He won the U.S. Open. He was a bronze medalist. And you start ripping through them, it looks a lot different. So, and, you know, and they all had confidence that, you know, that, hey, this is the way we do it. You know, we had a little system in place. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of it's owed to them. They, they, they did the work. They did the time, you know. And um, it, it was a great time to be around people that were, you know that are elite like that that live that live a life you know that you, it gives them their best chance to be an olympian or a world team member to give them a chance to, to be a world champion or an olympic champion so you know i think a lot of it you got to attribute to them and and some of it's just culture and then obviously expectations you know the expectations of being the best it, it was expected it was expected to to win the u.s open it was expected to go on and try to win the medal so it, it, it definitely was a good time working with those guys and and so I don't know if there's any one one characteristic, but you know there's probably a few of them in there that you know a few characteristics that they all have, and you know they all had pretty good pedigree, and they all worked really hard, and they all had a good belief system that they could do it, and you know, and then some of us just helped them. Our, the catalyst was the work. Yeah, it's it's funny. I take notes while I'm talking to smart guys like you, and you know you expected to hear one, or I expect to hear one thing, and I wrote down expectations, culture, lifestyle, high goals work ethic and learning from each other so i mean it's it's such a cool multifaceted answer and you know and you know on my best days whether it's you know in in doing these interviews or or my business life or whatever the case is if i could bring that sort of level of excellence in in any one of those categories it, it feels like you you've 
you've done well and, and made the world a little a slightly better place. So that's awesome. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your coaching staff because I think it's I think you guys are really sort of under the radar. You Michael Leitner, Nick Heflin, and uh, Steber and Dean Heil, and then and Eric Carrero is the RTC coach. Tell me a little bit, and obviously, like, you still have relationships with these guys, like Hunter, and I know Logan came down and trained with you guys in preparation for Final X. Tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe just a, you know, a minute about each one of these guys and what, they, what they're bringing to your program, you know, in terms of what value they bring to you, and when, when kids are considering OU, you know, what are some of the values these guys are, are bringing? Well, we'll start with Mike Leitner. Obviously, Mike's from Oklahoma, national champion, world team member. You know, he's from the state, um, knows people in the state, obviously been here his whole life. So, obviously, that, that brings, you know, you know that Oklahoma um, recruiting pool to, to OU. Um, certainly, you know, loyal and, and hardworking and, you know, understands wrestling, understands you know, some of those mechanics that we talk about. Um, so he's certainly, you know, very helpful, understands coaching, understands a lot of the compliance issues that we need to handle on a day-to-day basis and how to get people approved and for campus and, you know, all the things that happen at a big school. You know, um, Nick Heflin, obviously, is still wrestling, wrestling 92 and 86 kilos, depending on, you know, where his weights fluctuating at. Um, you know, Nick, obviously, a huge weightlifter, wrestles, you know, was third, third, um, on the ladder before he got hurt a year ago. He was ranked sixth in the world for a little while. You know, he's still wrestling and, and certainly trains with our big guys. You know, we need guys to train. You know, as we keep building our Olympic program, we need guys that are in there scrapping. You know, and he can do that. And he's got the muscles and can help the guys get stronger and certainly can train with them so, or alongside them. So that, that certainly helps. You know, Hunter Steber, couple-time All-American, you know, obviously, our, you know, it was, a, was at 70 kilograms, you know, between the 41 and 57, 65, he can train with those guys too. You know, um, takes care of some things compliance-wise for me as well, care logs and participation, some other things like that. But mostly here so he can get in there and scrap and create an environment so these guys have people they can work out with, you know. Um, Eric Guerrero obviously speaks for himself. You know, he's had guys that make world and Olympic teams. You know, he was on several world teams, the Olympic team. I think he was on five world teams. Is that? I think that's pretty accurate, the Olympic team. Obviously, does our RTC, you know, um, trains those trains the the youth of Oklahoma and some in our obviously Olympic program from Dean Heil and Kalika and uh, Austin Schaefer right now has got a bad knee, but you know he's working hard to get them back getting back on track. So each one of them have their own, you know, little thing, and there's a that's a you know I guess it's an eclectic you know coaching view from you know Mike's from Oklahoma and you know Ohio State you know you have Heff and, and Hunter and then Oklahoma State you have Eric and then myself yeah, I, I'm like Edinburgh Ohio State you know, <laughs> and just been around yeah. and <laughs> been around <laughs> you know so been around a long time so you, like I said you get, you get a lot of wisdom from being around you know a couple decades of, of wrestling so but they're, they're all each, each one have their, their own um, assets for us and um, I, I think that when you you know, you talk about our Olympic program and every one of those guys have wrestled at that level. And, you know, people talk about wanting to be on an Olympic team. You know, when you have every guy on your staff been, been a part of something like those, at least wrestled internationally, they get it. You know, from, like I said, Mike was on the world team and Eric and myself and Hef's trying to make a world team, was on the national team. And, you know, they've, they've all wrestled internationally at some level. So, you know, it's, it's a good, you know, I mean, we're I'm constantly preached to put one of the pillars is our Olympic program and, 
keeping that, you know, making that one of the pillars of, of, of the program. And, um, you know, each one of our coaches have something that they can give to the people, you know, if you come to you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've had Michael on the show and I've had Eric on the show, got a chance to visit with Hef this summer. Obviously, you know, those guys I all get along with, but their personalities are all different as well. And so I think there's a lot of value there. Um, you know, I, just thinking about it as I was getting ready for this interview, um, Andy Hamilton said something to me just off the cuff, but I thought it was really smart. And I, I'm interested to see how you think it applies to you and your program. He said, when these colleges are recruiting, they're either selling hope or they're selling results. And, you know, I said to him, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, if you win nationals, you, you just sell results. Look, we won nationals. And if, you know, if you don't have any All-Americans, you have to sell hope. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm from Missouri, you know, St. Louis, and I think Brian Smith was one of the best and is one of the best program builders in the country. I don't really call him a program builder now because he's built a perennial top 10 team. But, you know, he had to get some people to buy in on the hope end. And, you know, we, we know those guys like the Askrens and the Pels and those guys of the world. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I can't figure out if you guys are selling hope in the sense that OU hasn't been, you know, top 10 um, consistently for a while. Are you selling results based on what you and your coaching staff have done? So how do you see that? Well, I see that as, as selling results. I mean, I think that, you know, um, each person's, you know, um, accomplishments and, and how they've done. I mean, obviously, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, when I was at Edinburgh, I, when I left there, we were top eight. When I at Ohio State, we won the nationals. And like I said, I could go through. It wasn't just 20 World Olympic team members. I mean, you know, it's it's and you're selling results. It's like, no, Jaggers won a couple national titles. Anytime I sell it, won the national. Like, you know, it, it's a way of doing things, you know. And so I don't see it as hope at all. I mean, Dom Demas has, you know, steadily improved. He went from. You know, came out of high school, and I don't know if he's ranked third or fifth and that, but, you know, made the four or five finals, you know, so he's continually getting better. Um, Jake Woodley's the same way. He was, you know, third at the 20 and unders. He was fifth at the U23s. You know, um, Anthony Mathanona, same. He won the Greco trials and, you know, was won the junior Pan Ams and freestyle. So they're getting better. It, it, there's results happening. It's just what you want to look at, you know. <laughs> what, what, what perspective do you want to see it from, you know? And I think our staff's the same way, you know, Mike's, had a couple of Olympians. He coached national champion in, in Brewer and Eric's the same way. And so I, I think that we're not selling hope, you know, it, there's results there. You just have to, you know, you just got to look and look at their pedigree and, and who they've helped along the way, you know? Um, and, I, and I certainly don't want to take credit for people that haven't coached, you know, I haven't coached, but there, there are tons of people that, that this group have, that we have coached. Yeah. And, I don't, and made your guys, lives. <laughs> Your, your well is so deep, you don't need to be running around trying to take credit for guys you didn't help because you've helped so many. To me, I always make the analogy like, you know, love them or hate them, the Patriots have been the best team in football for the last 20 years consistently. And if, if Bill Belichick quit and you and I became, you know, the head coach and offensive coordinator or something tomorrow, we can't say, well, we, you know, we coached this many Super Bowls and this many AFC titles. It, it was the guy that did it. And so I think that's interesting. I think sometimes people get caught up in the laundry, for lack of a better phrase. I mean, St. Louis is a huge baseball town. And, you know, like when Pujols was here, you know, everybody rooted for him. And the minute he left, like now he's a bum. And it's like, well, no, he's the same guy. He's just wearing a different uniform. And the same thing with the results. You know, if you coached, you know, you were in Kyle Snyder's corner. And just because you're not at Oklahoma, you know, you're now you're at Oklahoma, not Ohio State. Nobody else can say they were sitting in that corner. So I think 
that perspective is really interesting when you know people are making these decisions on on where to send their kids and and where to train in terms of RTC and 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 all those things. That I, I think it's you know maybe it's a little bit of a, an educational presentation you have to do to get people to look at it the right way. But you know, if I had coached that many guys, I would have that list on my wall when people walked into my office. <laughs> <laughs> I might just put that list on my wall and say, I know Lou Rosselli. <laughs> so. Well, you know, philosophically, it's like, listen, to the, when I was at Edinburgh, like I said, we, you know, with the Josh Koscik's of the world. And so it's just a way of doing things, you know, and, and the old adage, the way you do anything is the way you do everything, you know. And so whether you're at Edinburgh or Ohio State or OU and, you know, it's a it's a way of doing things. And, and it does matter to me. It matters. And. You know, they strive for excellence and a standard that, that you want to have. And, you know, you, there's a certain way of doing things. And if you do them right, you know, if you continually do them right and you're consistent in that behavior, you, know, you build up those good, good habits and it'll work. You know, can I tell you exactly and pinpoint the exact time? No. But I know if you continually do them, it will work. You know, doing two a days and working hard and, and making sure that, you, you know, you fix your wrestling and you love it and, you know, you're positive and excited will make a difference. Right, and all the other things, guys, like you teach, like, you know, good good habits, good lifestyle, you know, getting to bed early, going to study hall, all those kind of things. So um, a, a big hot topic right now on, and I was completely wrong about this when this first happened. I kind of thought the colleges were going to drive the RTCs, and I look now how the RTCs are really helping the colleges in recruiting. And... You know, there's obviously a lot less regulation with these RTCs than all the stuff you have to go through as a member of the NCAA. What is your opinion overall as, as a guy that was heavily involved in a super successful RTC at Ohio State? And, you know, and just where do you see RTCs growing and, and the growth in terms of, of college programs and also how it's, it's helped elevate or escalate um, the United States on, on the world landscape? Well, I'll start with this. I, I really believe that, you know, the, the, the backbone to USA Wrestling is really the college wrestling programs. Now, the, what's really transpired in the last couple, or last decade or so, you know, are these RTCs and these Olympic programs, and, and I'm an advocate for them. I, I want them. You know, I just, I just want them to be contained so that people got to know all the, the rules, you know, and what they're governed by, you know. And so I just want some parameters put in place so that it makes sure that, you know, we, we keep the playing field even. You know, um, but having them, yeah, that, you know, when, when institutions are, you know, are getting their donors to put money involved in, in into their Olympic program so they can have success. And, you know, and the, the recruits and the way that people operate is it's kind of like a one-stop shop. You know, you go there, you can get a great education, try to win an NCAA title, and, and you got these postgrads to train with. And I can train after after college wrestling. So, you know, I, I think that they do work. And, um, you know, I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I think I think the majority of people do like them, you know, um, and makes, you know, they, they want them to have USA you know, Wrestling wants that, them to be a branch of them. So, you know, it's uh, I think they're here to stay. Now, like I said, I just would like to see, you know, them contained at some level to make sure it's not a free for all. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think the second part is 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 something that people are talking about a lot. And, you know, to me, it's it's super interesting. You know, I, I talked to Steve Fraser and Zeke Jones, and I think. Those are at least two of the guys. I'm sure they're not the only ones that, you know, sort of saw this vision of how 
like you said, these NCAA programs, which are the backbones, and, and there's no doubt about that when you look at all the guys that have jumped straight from the college season to the international level, you know, like the, like the Snyders and the Jaden Coxes, and there's a gazillion other examples, you know, Burroughs back his first time, Herbert, um, you know, the training, the grind that you put these guys through in a college season is, is I think, immeasurable to their success. And, you know, sometimes as guys get further away from that college grind, it actually has a negative impact. Their technique and strategy might get better, but just that hustle and grind, I think, feel like they're, they're, they're not the same. I mean, do you see it that way? Well, I think that, you know, they're just, they're just different. I think, I think kids, even, even the 26 year old man needs structure, you know, the guys that do really well at that next, on those next platforms are because of the structure. And, you know, they, they need somebody to kind of be in charge. They need somebody to, you know, this is the way we do it. You know, this is, you know, we got to be at practice and we lift three days a week or whatever your system is. But I can tell you from being at Ohio State, a lot of those guys, you know, they were, they're all really good, you know, but there was a structure in place that, that helped, you know, aid them in making them better, you know. And I think that, you know, having that certainly, you know, there is a grind to college wrestling and it's a little bit different. But if you're in the right Olympic program, you know, you'll you'll find out that you should be getting better. You know, um, you know the, the guy, the guy leading that charge, he's got to have a good understanding, good wrestling IQ, and got to make sure he puts some time and energy into you, just like you do college kids. So, you know, it, it, it is a college is a grind. You know, but but I also think that the you know the freestyle program, or the Olympic program, is certainly can be a grind as well. And you know, you got to be smart when you you know your periodization of those those athletes too, so that you know when they they get them ready and you know the six week cycles and. There's there's more to it than just hey wrestle for me. That's great <laughs> you know what I mean? There's more to it. I think some people think it's just hey come in and wrestle the Olympic program and just do whatever you want. It's like nah, you won't win that way. <laughs> I think that's maybe how some some you know smaller RTCs may recruit just because the name value, but to have the success that they want to have, I think you're obviously absolutely right that you have a formula that's proven to be successful, and and your goal is to you know, to present that formula to other people. No doubt. There's definitely, you know, and everyone has their own way of doing things. I get that, you know, I, I have my own way and, you know, and maybe, you know, five other coaches will tell you, no, no, here's what we do. And, you know, and sometimes, like you said, collaborating and, and talking to other people, Hey, that sounds like a, it would be a better idea, better, you know, better transition to that. And maybe sometimes you get them from Bill's attic and the way they do it. And so, I mean, I think there's, you know, you know, if you're, like I said, if you're in the right Olympic program, you know, you should be progressing. You should be getting better. And, um, you know, the time and energy is put into it. I mean, it, it is your goal. I mean, they are to, they're there to help themselves become an Olympic athlete. And also, obviously, they, they train alongside with those college guys to help them that, their, their pedigree go up. So, you know, I think that's, you know, that's just part of it, that, how you inter, interact those, your post-grads or your Olympic program with your college program is, is usually the fastest way to grow. Yeah. I think that's sort of the interesting melting pot of it, right? Like, how do you get these things together so that it goes the right way? And like you said, I mean, it's different coaching or mentoring a 19 versus a 26-year-old. I mean, 26-year-old could easily be married, have a kid, you know, have other responsibilities. And, you know, obviously the the 19-year-old is basically there on a contract, a scholarship, and their job is to do that obviously the rtc guys get paid as well but certainly the dynamic is completely different so different different minds right now you know as you know different responsibilities and you know so certainly you know have 
a lot of a lot of things that, that look alike but you know and just as you get older you know that they know what they want you know and you're a 26 year old man or 25 year old graduate you kind of know if you're do you want to go to grad school or do you just want to work out twice a day you know what what are you going to do down the road you know and i i tell guys in our program you know the, the program in itself hey you got four or five years of this and some of you might wrestle two quadrennials after but and you got 50 years of life you got to find something that you want to do to be an educated man you know to have a piece of paper that says that you got a degree and so they're you know, they're, they're just, as you, as you said, they're just different, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, uh, juggling, I guess would be maybe as good as one way to, or a good way to say it as any, just, you know, and one of the things that I learned and, and was taught was treating everybody the same isn't being fair. Some people deserve to be treated differently than others because, you know, based on their behavior. So, you know, I, I think that's an interesting part of it too. So, yeah. There's definitely that part of it, you know, and I can tell you, we had some athletes at, at Ohio State that couldn't handle as much of the rigor, and, and then we had others that, you know, you know, could handle it no problem, you know, but so you just got to know when to push and pull back a little bit and make sure that he, you're doing what's best for him, you know. Um, for, so each athlete has a little bit different, the structure is the same, but, you know, we're getting ready for a high-profile competition, you know, you got to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to make sure that he's, he's as ready as he can be. You know, and sometimes it isn't more. Sometimes it's less for somebody. Yeah, it's when to step on the step on the gas, when to pull back the throttle, and you know when to use the carrot and when to use the whip, right? Right. For yeah. sure. Yeah, it's those are. I think those are the things about coaching that people don't understand. That those are the the decisions. You know, if you're my coach, and you know, I'm in general, I'm a pretty good kid, and you know, I'm smarting off that day. It's probably got nothing to do with you. It's probably something else going on in my life. You know, maybe my mom's sick, my dad's sick, parents are going through a divorce, my girlfriend broke up with me, whatever. And if I just, if you treat me the same as everybody else and, and, and jump my rear end, instead of maybe giving me the benefit of the doubt, you know, the, how that, you know, how those results of how that goes can be dramatically different. Yeah, I think that's what we're touching on a little bit. It's just relationships and just knowing the people and, you know, you can always tell, you know, if you have a, you can tell by looking in someone's eye, you know, sometimes just how things are going today for them, you know, why, why are they down, why they're down or why they're not. And, you know, some people are excited, some people aren't, and, you know, trying to find a way to get people, bring people up, you know, and it obviously, and, and knowing them, you know, if, if you know them really well, guess what? It makes it a lot easier when you know the people. Right. So to coach people you don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been parked in a few corners like, hey, will you coach this guy? I'm like, well, I can. I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell him how much time's left and, you know, probably not going to yell anything too stupid to him, but I'm not sure I'm bringing maximum value. That's for sure. So, well, one of the things I like to ask people, um, especially guys like you that have, you know, been sort of around the world and seen everything and been been blessed to have a lot of different you know ideologies and everything else is maybe what's one of the you know either the best piece of advice you ever received or just something that somebody said to you that really stuck out and made a difference in in your life well i think i think the first thing i, I think of right away when you say that to me is just you know one being grateful for the opportunity to, to be where you're at you know and having been showing gratitude certainly, you know, will make a difference. And again, you know, that's just looking at things and having a good perspective, you know, and then obviously enjoying the process of, of learning and getting better, 
you know I think sometimes we're always focused on if you don't win you know and it's this it's like no no let's just you need to work on just getting better and, and being consistent you know so learning how to love that process a little bit you know because if if you love to work you know you, you got to kind of you put a little um, a positive you know um positive spin on on loving to work you know it'll, it'll help you it'll help you like the process of what's what's going on you know when, when you put a little positive connotation on on working hard guess what it's not that it's not that dreary you know it's like no i like this i like this it's for me you right. know so i think being able to you know let your mind you know not always focusing on that just you know obviously doing things right and making sure that you you know you're grateful for the opportunities and and making sure that you can you know learn this learn to love this process a little bit so it's not miserable it doesn't have to be miserable wrestling can be fun you know wrestling can be really fun and and getting better at something you know should stimulate you at some level hey listen i like it i I like to work i like getting there going in the morning and getting better you know it doesn't have to be oh my god he's got to practice (laughs) you know it, it can it can be a it can be a great thing it can be a you know learning to love that process is is will help you get to another level you know and i think that the more you think like that the easier it is to do yeah i think that's really good advice and an awesome way to to close this out uh i know how busy you are i mean there's no breaks for you i mean i remember at one tournament you just had a guy make a world team you're like i got to fly out at five in the morning you had something else to do so I know how valuable your time is, Lou, and I really appreciate you know you making some time for me and for and for the folks here at Track. And um, you know we're recording this on Monday morning, and we're creeping up on the World Championships. So you know, and, and we're and Track Wrestling is going to have that. So um, when this podcast goes up, people can also go to Track and check out the World Championships. Um, do you have anything else for me, Lou? Nope. I'm just glad that you guys are covering the worlds and. You know, some of us that won't be there get an opportunity to kind of follow it. And, you know, obviously in, in my shoes now, trying to build a program, want to be able to still keep up with it. So we appreciate the, the hard work that you guys are doing. Yeah, my guy Andy Hamilton and his crew are, are going to do it right up there. They always do. So um, I'll be sure to pass that along to him. I appreciate your time, Lou. Please say hi to Eric and the gang for me down there. And um, hopefully when I'm down there at the Perry tournament in a couple months, I might be able to catch up with a few of your guys. That sounds great. Appreciate your time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, from Oklahoma University, that was Coach Lou Rosselli. This is David Miracatani with Matt Chat. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you all soon.